everybody. How we doing? Welcome again to my church. Thank you for being here on a holiday weekend. It, uh, it's good to have you. Thank you for making my church part of the whole Thanksgiving weekend. The holidays are upon us, whether we're ready or not. So here we, here we sit. You can now legally listen to Christmas music without being harshly judged by me because that's the way I roll. But uh, Merry Christmas. Hope you have a great holiday season. We're excited about what's going on at my church in the month of December. So please make sure you take that worship guide and you keep up to date on everything that's coming up because it's going to be a big, important month for us. Now, in the recent weeks, we have been in a teaching series on the Old Testament book of Ruth. This great story that's couched in the early part of the Old Testament how many of you guys enjoying this study of the book of Ruth? Isn't this a great, great story? Today we're going to be looking at chapter 3 of the book of Ruth. And, uh, and it's, it's pretty interesting what we're going to... Uh, just a quick recap. The story of Ruth starts with a lady named Naomi and her husband who live in Bethlehem. Now, of course, this is hundreds and hundreds of years before the old little town of Bethlehem that we sing about at Christmas time, but this is way in the Old Testament. And they lived in Bethlehem, uh, uh, Naomi and her husband and their two sons, and there was a famine that hit the land. And so it was very difficult to live and survive in the nation of Israel, and particularly Bethlehem at that time. And so Naomi and her husband feel like they've just got to move to another country where the famine has not hit and so they, they move, they become refugees, and they go to another country called Moab, and they try to start fresh in Moab. While they're there, their sons reach uh, Marian age, and they marry two ladies, young ladies from Moab, or Moabite women. And so this was that family saying, look, we're just all bought in of living and, and marrying off our kids and raising grandkids and everything right here in Moab. Now, at some point after they get there, after their two sons get married, tragedy strikes. Naomi's husband and their two sons, over a reasonably short period of time, all three of these men die. They pass away. And so now, all that's left of this family is Naomi, an older lady, older Jewish woman, and two young Moabite daughters-in-law, and all three of them are widows. And in the culture of the day, both in Moab and back in Israel, where Naomi was originally from, to be a widow was a, a really, really hard life. It was hard economically and just in social, social status. It was just, there was no provider, no protector. It's just the way it was back then. It was really bad. And so they are in great distress. Naomi figures now that all the men have died, what I've got to do is I'm going to move back to Bethlehem. So she's going to embark on this treacherous journey back to Bethlehem. And her two daughters-in-law say, we'll go with you. One of them is named Orpha, and one of them is named Ruth. So as they start to head out, Naomi is guilt-ridden, and she says to these two young Moabite women, don't come with me back to Bethlehem. There's no way this will work out well for you. You should stay here, and you can marry, remarry perhaps some Moabite men and kind of get your lives restarted or rebooted. 
and, uh, and, and they realize, yeah, this is a pretty big risk if we go to, to, to Israel or Bethlehem with Naomi because now we'd be the foreigners in this other, you know, this strange country. And so one of the, one of the young ladies named Orpha, she says, okay, you're right, I'll go back. She didn't want to, but she goes back, goes back home and presumably gets on with her life. But Ruth decides, no, Naomi, I'm staying with you. In fact, she says, where you go, I'm going to go. Where you live, I'll live, and whatever God you worship, I will worship. It was a super powerful, emotional moment of commitment. It was awesome. And this made Ruth legendary for her loyalty and for her just being an honorable woman. And you see that all through this story that we've been studying. Well, they get, Naomi and Ruth make their way back to Bethlehem, and it is hard. And now, they're not homeless, we presume, because they've got a place to stay but it would be like living in the poorhouse. I mean, they're probably up under the poorhouse. I mean, it was bad. And they didn't have much hope or many prospects. But good things started happening. They, fight, they caught a break where there was this law in the land of Israel where you could go, uh, uh, widows or, or poor women could go into the fields where grain was being harvested. And as the, the harvesters gathered the grain, they would in, undoubtedly not get 100% of it. So a little bit of grain would fall to the wayside. And the poor women could come in and gather that grain. It was called gleaning in the fields. And so it was this law, and it was a way to provide at least a break of, of, of a little bit of help to poor people that they could maybe get day-to-day, week-to-week, maybe even meal-to-meal. And so Ruth, at Naomi's suggestion, goes to, she said, go find a field. She finds a field. She starts gleaning, and it turns out that the guy that owns the field that Ruth is gleaning in is a guy named Boaz. Say, Boaz. Boaz. You guys are super enthusiastic. Thank you. It makes me feel good. Now, here's the deal. Boaz was super kind to Ruth. So Ruth is gleaning along with other ladies, and and Boaz notices her. It turns out that Boaz is a little bit older. He's not an, uh, a senior citizen, but he's a little bit of an older gentleman. Um, so he's not a young guy, but apparently he wasn't blind either. He noticed Ruth, and he's like, hmm, I'm glad she's gleaning in my field. So he introduces himself, and, and he kind of likes her, but he's like, oh, I'm older than her. She'd never go for me. So anyway, that, but she, he says to her, I'm going to take care of you. You can always come to my fields. I'll make sure my guys or my employees treat you well. So this is a good thing for a, poor, a couple of poor widows. So they, wow, man, this is great. Naomi goes home. I'm sorry, Ruth goes home to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she says, hey, this is great news. I glean now in a field of a guy named Boaz. I said, get out. Boaz, really? And it turns out that Boaz is a distant relative of Naomi's late husband, God rest his soul. This is a big deal. And the reason it's a big deal is there was another law in the land of, of, of Israel. There was a law passed down to them by God himself. And it said that if there is a widow who, who you know, is, uh, is kind of stuck with this bad lot in life and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have any children and she needs, she needs provision, she needs somebody to provide and protect. If there is somebody, if there's a relative, if there's a man, who's a distant relative or, or, or related by marriage to this widow, then that guy can marry her to provide help, support, love, comfort, 
and, and, and even keep the family name going where they could have kids and keep the line going. So it was this, it was this wonderful law, and it turns out that Boaz qualified for that, or he kind of fit the bill because he was a, a family member related by marriage. So that's to, to Ruth. So that's kind of a, a cool thing. And so Naomi, the mother-in-law, starts going, hmm, maybe there's some potential here. So she kind of gets into matchmaking mode. Anybody ever here, here ever been in matchmaking mode? You're too ashamed to raise your hand. I know, but it's true because you do it. We all do. So what Naomi wants to do, and it's not just because she's a busybody, wants to get up in people's business. She wants to take care of Ruth, all right? And so what we're going to, that's kind of where we find ourselves beginning in the story in Ruth chapter 3 today. And so our talk is going to be about what happens and what's recorded in Ruth chapter 3. Next week, Ed will wrap up the story with Ruth chapter 4, get to the punchline, get to the spoiler, happy ending, and it's going to be awesome. So don't miss next week. But today we're talking about chapter 3. And in chapter 3, I'm just going to tell you straight up, at the beginning, on the front end, this is weird stuff. Weird, wild stuff goes on in chapter 3. And let's just be honest, it's, it's awkward. All right? You guys ready for awkward and weird? Because if you can't be awkward and weird in church when... No, that doesn't sound right. So <laughs> scratch that. We'll edit that out of the recording. But here's the thing. I just want you to know there's a purpose. Hang in there with me even when it gets a little strange. One of the coolest things about the Old Testament, the first major section of the Bible, one of the most important things about the Old Testament is that we're, we're taught that we should use the stories that we read there and the laws and the poetry and all the stuff that's there. We should use it as examples about how to live our lives of faith. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to draw out of this odd set of events in chapter 3 about how we can learn, what would be good examples and what we can kind of plug into our lives. So we're going to start in verse 1 where Naomi makes a statement to Ruth and she says, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, Ruth, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may go well with you? This is Naomi declaring her intentions to her daughter-in-law. I want to seek rest for you. And the beautiful, descriptive, very layered and deep language, Hebrew language that the Old Testament was first written in, the word rest is not just physical rest. So Naomi is not saying to Ruth, I really want you to take a nap because that probably wouldn't have been hard to talk her into. She was saying, I want you to find rest for your soul. I mean, a deep down soul, spirit rest. Really, some of the words that are interchangeable with the word rest or words like security and home. I want to find you a secure, restful, peaceful home. And there's something in the hearts of all of us that longs for a secure, restful home. Even if we never experience that as children or haven't yet experienced it or not currently experiencing it in our actual homes, there's something deep in us that's calling out for that. And when we see this kind of language in the scripture, it's not God teasing us with, wouldn't it be nice if you could find that? But you can't because you haven't. It's not God saying that at all. It's, it's saying that there's hope for us. There's hope for all of us. 
So the theme, and you can write this down in your uh, notes, the kind of the title is Finding Rest. This is what we're talking about today is finding rest, that deep soul rest and comfort and security and finding home. Now let's jump in uh, to chapter 3 and we'll find out, uh, like I said, Naomi wants to be a matchmaker. She says, I'm going to make you a match, Ruth. I'm going to find you a find. I'm going to catch you a catch. So you stick with me, and we're going to go places. And here's where Naomi tells Ruth her plan. It starts in verse 2. She says, Boaz is a close relative of ours. He's very, very kind to you, letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, dress in your nicest clothes. (laughs) Getting interesting, right? Dress in your nicest clothes, and then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure you notice where he lies down. And then go uncover his feet, lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. And Ruth responds in verse 5 by saying, I will do everything you say. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. It was the end of the harvest, the barley harvest. And so Boaz was joining his employees and his crew in winnowing the, uh, the, the wheat. Basically, they were separating the, uh, the grain from the chaff so that they could now have their crop that they would be able to sell, eat, keep, sustain themselves, sell, and make a living off of. And it was kind of a big deal as a celebration Job well done, woohoo, you know, so they have a meal, kind of an event, alcohol might have been involved, we don't know. But so that's what was going on that night. And, and, sh- and everybody knew that Boaz was probably going to sleep there on the threshing floor as they gathered all the grain in one place to kind of protect it. And it was just sort of part of the, the party. You know, everybody crashes there. So, um, so what Naomi says is you go there after you say, all right, first you doll up. You get your hair dead, do a little makeup or something, and then when he goes to sleep, I want you to go. When he's sound asleep, then you, then you lift up the blanket that he's sleeping under down by where his feet are. Curl up there at his feet, cover yourself with the blanket, and just see what happens. And Ruth is like, this is your plan? <laughs> you, this is what you want to go with, really. That's... That's what, and it sounds odd. This is, is actually a very deep symbolic gesture. On a couple of levels, Ruth was a widow. Dolling herself up was a signal that I am, my period of mourning, my, my time of mourning is over. I am ready to move on with my life. And so I'm going to go to this man who qualifies as a family or a family redeemer. You know, that guy who can marry the widow like I was just describing before? It was literally called a family redeemer where he could step in, marry the, the widow, provide for her. And, and, and that, so Boaz qualified for that. So what she was saying by going up under there, <laughs> under the blanket at his feet, is saying, A, I'm available to be married to you. Uh, B, um, you qualify as my family redeemer and basically asking the question, what do you think? So that's what it was. And it sounds weird and it sounds odd. And it also sounds, let's be honest, and here's the awkward part, sounds like, did anything like go on there? 
I mean, is that, I mean, seriously, was this a sexual thing? And the answer is no. Certainly could have been. But we'll talk a little bit later that this wasn't about consummating the relationship physically. It was about sending the message in a very picturesque, a very dramatic and, and emotional and even romantic kind of way of saying, look, what do you think could this happen for us? Now, the lesson or the example that we see in Ruth doing this and following Naomi's advice is this idea here. And you can fill this in on the fill in the blanks if, you, if you're taking notes. And it's the idea that we should keep moving toward our blessing. We should keep moving toward our blessing. It's the idea of leaning in to the direction of where the, the good blessings are coming from in our life. And what I mean by that is that, I mean, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but have you ever been, maybe we're experiencing it right now, some difficult times in our lives where, where it's just, there's a lot of darkness and it's kind of depressing and we don't know what's going to happen or we've got anxiety or we're worried about a lot of different things. If we'll watch and if we'll listen, if we'll pay attention, even when stuff is not going well for us, or there might be a, a, a real tall stack of troubles and, and, and burdens. If we'll pay attention, sometimes we'll see glimmers of hope. We'll start to see a little bit of blessing. And that happened to Ruth and Naomi because they were still dirt poor. They were still going meal to meal and day to day. But in the midst of that, in the midst of how is this going to work out, what's life going to look like for me in the midst of all of that some hope came where they caught a break with Boaz saying yeah you can glean in my fields so it was almost like yeah life is still about 90% crap but you know what there's a little there's a seed and you know what seeds grow in (laughs) crap so that's that's a scientific that's not slang but there was a little bit of a seed and that's what I'm saying for us is that we have to decide when we're going through difficulty, are we going to lean in towards, towards the direction that some moments of hope or some clarity or some good spiritual mojo might be coming? Listen, if there are people in our lives who who have some stability, who have some wisdom, who have some encouragement to offer us, those are the voices we should be listening to. Those are the people we should lean in towards and the relationships we should cultivate. And the sources of hope is where we need to press in. It's the easiest thing in the world. When life is getting a little wound up and unwound, perhaps, the easiest thing in the world is to kind of pull back and say, I just want to hang on Till things get better. Well, how about we start looking for the source of the small bits of hope or the seeds of possibility and lean in towards that. And that's why it's so important spiritually for us to connect in community and to have some people and some friends that we can lean into. So the question is, are we going to spend all our time? Are we going to spend all our time grasping for, to try to win back what was lost Or are we going to just try to win today and try to win moving forward? Lean in 
towards the direction of our blessing. That is good advice, and that's what we see in Ruth and Naomi. Now, moving on or continuing through the story, here's, here's more of the, uh, the weird stuff. After Boaz, and this is how Ruth just kind of goes after the advice. She says, after Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, like we were Thursday night, you know, because we ate a lot and drank a lot of sweet tea. Cowboys won, Mississippi State won. Wait, what else do you want? So it was, I was in good spirits. So Boaz was in good spirits. And he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain. This is what they had winnowed and all that. And he went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman at his feet. <laughs> I love the understatement of the Bible. You know what I'm saying? This, this guy. And I believe that Boaz was like 54, because that's how old I am. And uh, sleep at night for me is not really sleep. It's more like a series of naps till morning. And... So I think he had that moment, you know, where he had to wake up and, uh, and, and he, there's this woman at his feet and he was surprised. Well, bless his heart. So, so would I have been. So he was surprised to have this, find a woman laying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. And Ruth replied to him, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. You are my family. So this is where she sends that message. I'm available for marriage. You qualify as a a relative of my deceased father-in-law. And if you'll have me, then take the corner of your blanket and cover me. And it would be this beautiful symbol of him saying yes. I want to be in your life. I want you in my life. And I want to help you. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Boaz has this moment of deciding whether he's going to respond to what what Ruth is asking him. He wakes up. She's at his feet. He says, how you doing? (laughs) No, he doesn't. He says, who are you? And why are you here? And, and she explains, and then, and we'll talk about exactly how he responds here in a second. But here's the example that we learned from this part of, the, of, of Ruth chapter 3. And it's just, and again, in your notes there, and it's just the idea that we need to bring ourselves to God. We need to bring ourselves to the Lord. Ruth when she said, I'm Ruth, your servant. You remember, we've talked, we've had a meal, we've hung out a little bit. You know my story. Because everybody in town knew their story. She actually had a really good reputation because of what she decided to do in joining Naomi on this treacherous journey back to Bethlehem. So a lot of people respected her. So you know me, you know my story. Here I am. And here's what she was saying. Here's what Boaz heard. Boaz heard her say, Naomi and her husband ran to Moab in search of two things, survival and offspring for their sons. 
to, they wanted to live and not die, and they wanted to continue the family name. So they wanted to, they wanted to move to a place where there, were, there was a chance of, of them marrying healthy women and raising healthy children, not in this famine that was going on in Bethlehem back in the day. They ran from, from their country to find those two things, survival and offspring, two noble things, two things that are promised to them by God. And so Ruth is saying they left pursuing that and everything fell apart. And now we're desperate. And she's basically saying, so, so I'm here at your feet if you'll have me. And can you cover me with your blanket that would be the symbol of you saying yes. And this is what, this is how we should approach God, I think. We should come to God. We should come to Him. There's a, there's a, a, a verse we won't have time to look at, a verse in Hebrews that says we should come to God with a true heart. A true heart. Just the truth about us. We need to come to God with what is true about me. Like Ruth did with Boaz. She said, this is it. This is a messed up story. I don't, she said, I'm not, I, I'm not even from here. I'm ju- this is how jacked up my life is. This is not even my, my hometown. This is not even my country. This is not my culture, but I'm here. And you could be the guy to redeem me. And this is what we can do. We are invited to come to God with our truth. Every truth about our story, the real, the you, bring that to the Lord. And just like Ruth, you just tell him your story. And he knows your story. But you just say, I I have been chasing the things that I thought I needed. And now I have nothing. And I don't even belong here. I don't even know how to act here. But I'm telling you, Lord, I'm here. And if you can redeem me, will you cover me? That's our prayer. And I'm telling you, if you ask the Lord today, he will cover you. He'll take his, his covering and he'll drape it over you. And it'll be just as beautiful and just as moving as it was when Ruth and Boaz had this moment together. And I think that might be one of the punchlines of why we're even here today. Is that maybe some of us, maybe, maybe some of us have never made that step of faith to come to Christ and say, Lord, this is the crazy story of my life and this is everything I chased after and this is what it's gotten me. And I'm desperate and I need help. If you ask him to, he'll cover you today. If you ask him, he will cover you. He will drape his redemption over you. He will drape his forgiveness over us. And today could be the very first step you ever take towards the Heavenly Father by asking to be forgiven for the sins that have kept you away from him.
that blinded you to his love and the fact that he's the guy that can give you what you need. And maybe some of us, that's not our story. Maybe for some of us, it's been a lot of years since we've had any kind of sense of that sort of closeness with God. Maybe it's been so many years and so many miles on the tires, so to speak, that we don't even think we can find our way back to that kind of conversation with God. But if a woman, if a widowed woman from Moab can find her way to the foot of a wealthy landowner in Bethlehem and say, my story's weird and my heart is broken. Will you have me? If she can do that, then we can come to the Father today with our brokenness and with our true heart. And we can say, redeem me, Lord. You're the only one who can. You're the only hope I have. And maybe that's what, that, maybe that's why we're here today. Who knows? Think about that. Think about that and open your heart to that idea. So let's look at let's look at how Boaz responded. Um, Boaz uh, Boaz in verse ten says to her, "The Lord bless you, my daughter." Boaz exclaimed, "You're showing even more family loyalty than you did before." He's talking about all that cool stuff she did by saying, "I'm gonna go with you, Naomi. I'm coming to Bethlehem with you." He says, "Even more loyalty than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man." whether rich or poor. So this tells me that Boaz is that salt and pepper 54 guy, 54-year-old guy, you know what I'm saying? And he gets it. He's like, I can't believe that she is interested in me. She could just keep swiping, you know? No, okay, sorry. He says, you, you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. Everyone in town knows that you're a virtuous woman. And then he says in verse 12, he says, but while it's true that I'm one of your family redeemers, he's saying I qualify for this thing, you know, where I can marry you. Uh, There's another man who is even more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning I will talk to him. If he's willing to redeem you, very well. Let him marry you. But if he is not willing, I am your guy. Sort of. He said, if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here till morning. And this tells me, that's, this is why we know for sure there was just no uh, sexual encounter that took place between Ruth and Boaz on this night. Because he was an honorable man. And he, if he wanted to take advantage of the situation, he would just said, yeah, I'm your guy. We're here. Let's go for it. He didn't say that. He said, there's actually another man that has uh, legal uh, first in line. So we're going to let him. And next week, be here. Ed will finish out the story. It's really cool. All right. But Boaz, as a man of, uh, of honor and, and good repute, he says, uh, he just tells her, don't worry. You stay here. And they both lay down. And I doubt either one of them got a wink of sleep. You know what I'm saying? They're just like is this really happening? You know, and so cool. But uh, I want to ask you a question. When you think about, um, have you ever been, 
Or actually, let me, let, let me, let me point something out. I'm, I'm sorry, I almost skipped something. So uh, when, when Boaz answers her, he says, he says to her, he calls her daughter. Now, up until now, every time Ruth is mentioned, up until chapter 3, every time Ruth is mentioned in this story, they call her the Moabite or the Moabitess or Ruth from Moab. It's always this label that says, you're, yeah, you know, everybody thinks you're nice and love what you did for Naomi and everything, but Ruth, you're not from around here. You don't really, I mean, you don't really belong here. You're from Moab. Glad you're here, gleaning the fields, blah, 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 but you're really not one of us. Every single time, and when, in the punchline, in the great moment, Boaz steps up and doesn't call her this Moabite woman. He says, daughter. He says, you're in. You're a part of the family. He like renamed her. He re-identified her. And I love that. Now here's my question for you. Have you ever been in a season of your life or in a situation? You might be in it right now. But can you relate to ever being in a situation where you go, how did I get here? How in the world? Can you feel me? Anybody? How did I get... What in the world... How did my story end up at this place? And that's the story of Ruth. How in the world did I go from marrying this really cool Jewish guy that relocated to Moab, and now I'm in Bethlehem. How did this, how did this happen? And we get to the how did this happen? How did we get here kind of question? And that leads us to the why. Why is this happening? Have you ever asked that question? I have. And I'm going to answer the, that question for you in a general sense. And this is, this is important. You are where you are so that God can redeem you. You are where you are. We are here where we're at right now so that God can redeem us. And you're like, but this can't be the right way. This journey I've been on is so broken and so messed up by my own hand, by the hand of other people. This can't be right. This can't be good. Why am I here? You're here so that God can step in and show himself to be your redeemer. That's why we're here. Be encouraged today that we're here because God's brought us here to show us He can be our Redeemer. That's good news. He can show us that everything we've chased after, He can provide. God is here and we're here so that He can redeem us. So, we're going to wrap up the story here. Just, just be, it, be it known that when God wants to redeem you, it's just like Boaz called Ruth's daughter. God wants to rename you, and he wants to rename me. He wants to re-identify us. He doesn't want to identify us by, oh, you're the label of whatever it was that got you here. You're... I'm going to call you the guy who messed up enough to be in this situation in his life. I'm going to call you the woman who has been taken advantage of over and over again. I'm going to call you the guy who can never quite get it right. This is not how God speaks to us. 
He speaks to us as a son and as a daughter. We are in the family. And that's the mess, the beautiful, powerful message of Ruth. Ruth and Boaz uh, wake up in the morning and they get, they get up early so that she can get out before anybody sees because the optics of that is, are not good and people would assume, uh, you know, impropriety. And so uh, they get around that. But Boaz, before she even leaves, uh, he, he, ha- he tells her to kind of lift up her, uh, you know, hold out her apron, which is one of the layers of oath that she was wearing. And he dumps a bunch of uh, grain in there and said, take this back with you. I don't want you to go back empty-handed. So here she is with this bundle of grain early in the morning dragging her grain back to, to Naomi's house and saying, here's what, here's what happened. And Naomi's like, woohoo, this is awesome. I knew you guys were perfect for each other, you know. And, uh, and Naomi says something to her and she says in verse 18, she goes, she goes listen, sit still and wait my daughter. And then she just talks about how Boaz is going to take care of everything. And that's sometimes the message for us. Is just sit still and wait. You know what? God is giving us, not only does he rescue us and promise to redeem us, he literally shovels blessings onto us. And we're dealing with blessings even though all the questions aren't answered. And we've got blessings even though we, we're still... I mean, Naomi and Ruth were still poor. They still didn't know how it was going to work out. Ruth might have to marry this guy she's never even met before. And she saw her heart's already towards Boaz. She doesn't, everything's up in the air, but God is still blessing. And that's where we stand a lot of times in our life, between the promise and the fulfillment. But there is still blessing. And, And we can drag that blessing around. And we can say, it's still weird. I still don't know. Everything's not resolved. Stuff's still up in the air, but God is with me. And there's hope for me. Jesus one time said, this is the last verse we'll look at. Jesus one time said, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, he said, he said, come to me, all of you who are weak and... I can't find my notes. Ah, here we go. All you are weak and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you this rest that Naomi wanted for Ruth, that Naomi wanted for herself. I will give you that rest. Have you ever been around somebody, maybe somebody's even said this about you, where they say, how can you be getting through all the stuff you're going through? Have you ever asked anybody that? How in the world are you keeping it together based on what's going on in your life? I I, I don't know. If I was going through that, I'd be falling apart. And that person, and sometimes it's us, we end up, the only answer is to say, "I, I don't know. I just, even though everything's in upheaval, I'm finding rest. And I'm, and I'm dragging these blessings around with me. And look what God is doing. And yeah, he hasn't given me the punchline. He hasn't answered all my questions or resolved all my issues. But look at what he is doing. He will give you rest. So maybe today is our day to come to him for that rest. Like we were talking before. Maybe today is your day to come and say, I, I need it. I need the soul rest. I'm weary. I'm burdened. And I need rest.
if we ask him for his rest, he will cover us today. He'll blanket us with his redemption, with his forgiveness. He will help us let go of all the things that we've been clinging to, convinced they will give us, these things will give us rest. And he will help us to let them go and receive his rest. I could use, I could use that today. That's what I need today. And that's the beautiful story or lesson that we learn in the story of Ruth chapter 3. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Pray you be with us as we conclude and wrap up our, our worship time together. Now, as we are praying in our hearts, and maybe your eyes are closed, and in this moment of prayer, I want to encourage you, ask the Lord to cover you today. Ask the Lord to be your Redeemer today. He will do it for you if you ask Him. Say simply with me in your heart, maybe whisper it, maybe say it out loud. Say, Lord, I need a Redeemer. Please cover me today. Forgive my sins. Help me to let go of my sins. And help me kneel at your feet cover me today in Jesus name amen I'm going to turn over to Ed and I would like to say that as we close in an offering in a moment there's a connection card in front of you Ed mentioned it earlier man if you've made a spiritual step or if you need prayer if you want to talk to somebody about where, what it is and what it can mean for the Lord to cover you maybe you prayed that prayer just a moment ago maybe you've had a spiritual moment today Indicate it on that connection card. Drop it in that bucket when it comes by. We'd love to pray and support you any way we can. Thank you. Hey, I want to call our host teams up. Come on up. But as, before we get right down to that, I, I just want to, God just kind of put this in my head, this redemption, this whole idea of redemption, which is now coming into play in the book of Ruth in chapter 3. Um, you do understand that God redeems broken things. Things that aren't broken don't really need to be redeemed. So he redeems broken things. Ruth and Naomi, they were broken. You and I, everybody in this room is broken. We are all in need of that redemption. And that word is its just such a cool word because it means to purchase back something. And so that is really what happened on that cross is Christ bought us back. He redeemed us because we were broken. It's a very cool image that we get in the book of Ruth. So I want to go, I want to run just two little things by you. Uh, we didn't, we didn't talk about this earlier, but I want you, you've got in the seats that you're in, in your seats, you've got a little card that says 412 on it. That is the name of our new student ministry. On December the 9th, we're having a kickoff event, six to eight on December the 9th. I want you to grab one of those cards. I want you to give it to somebody that you know that is a student, 6th to 12th grade. If you have a student that is in between 6th and, and 12th grade, if you would take this connection card, and there's not really a place to write it on there, but if you would just write your name and their name we and your address, we want to send uh, your kid, we want to send them an invitation, we want to call them, we want to stick an invitation in the mail to them to that event. That's one thing happening on December the 9th. The other thing is... The biggest announcement in the history of our church will be December the 9th. 
We're having one worship service at 1030 that morning. Make every plan to get here. Whatever you got to do, get here on that on that morning. So let me pray for our offering, uh, and then I'm going to turn it back over to the worship team. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to, to be able to worship you. We thank you for living in a country where we can do that, and we can do that freely. Lord, we trust you with our resources. Lord, we know that you will use them to, uh, to accomplish your will. Lord, just this week, uh, your ministry here provided 552 meals uh, to the to much of the homeless community and and people who are just living impoverished. Lord, there was clothes that you provided for people. There was hygiene products that you provided for people. Lord, there was meals and there was there was two or three thousand pounds of groceries. Lord, that was all you, and we can't do that without the generosity of the people that call my church home. So, Lord, we ask that you would take these uh, these resources, that you would double them and triple them. And you would allow us to use them to spread your word and to grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.